Hey nerds, if you like what we do here on One Podcast for Nerds, remember you can always support us through the ACAST supporting system to which you can find a link to in the description below of every episode. It's only a minimum of three US dollars, but no commitment. We also sell mugs, which you can find at mainjams.com, and I would describe them with Nolan's trademark slogan, having a good hand feel. They're great for coffee, tea, when you're streaming, gaming, or just doing nerdy shit. Alright, let's get to the show. Play that intro. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of One Podcast for Nerds, our nerdy video game podcast. This is the place where we talk about video games, music, and golden oldies of the frustration variety. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew, and I'm excited to be here with you, the listeners, and talk about the video and talk about video games. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Austin. I think this is going to be a good episode, Dale. Uh, yeah, Dale. Who the fuck is Dale? You know, it's the same thing as Bob from like uh, the. NFL? No? Okay, anyways, go no, on. No, no, yeah, I'm going to keep going. Okay. And Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How's it going, Nolan? I'm doing pretty good over here. Yeah? Got some got some wife jokes? <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> no, right now I'm dealing with my girlfriend. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> and lastly, our producer, Bones. 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 Oh, my God. Are you going to do that every episode? <laughs> I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Infinity War when uh, his name. Yeah, when they all die. Hey, uh, yeah, just so you know, I one day I might want you to do the rehear like when you uh, uh, when you did your um, audition. Star Lord. When you did your audition, I think I would. When you did your audition, I think I'd like you to one day do it on the show. For yeah, when you for the the company in Kelowna. Your monologue? Oh, like Book It Talent? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, one day you gotta do that. You, you gotta do it for us one day. I think that'd be sweet. I'd be into it. Are you talking We're about a mo- monologue? Week. You want me to yeah, do a we, monologue? Yeah, when you did your monologue uh, from the, uh, it, what was it? It was the ending well, of... Uh, the the um, yeah, therapy that. scene with Steve Rogers in yeah, Endgame? <laughs> no, it wasn't Steve Rogers. It was uh, Banner and... Uh, I'm pretty sure I know what the monologue I did. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. You didn't do that. I wasn't okay. there, I know. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. <laughs> we have a great show for you today. We'll be talking about sales and numbers regarding Nintendo Switch, one of my favorite Netflix originals getting canceled, which I'm pretty sure won't be just my favorite, how PlayStation is selling consoles at a loss, your PS Plus Gold and, or your PS Plus and Xbox Gold free games, this is a place where we as gamers come together, have a good time, and create wicked memories. But we, the hosts, want to be able to be in contact with you, our listeners. And this can happen by subscribing to our Patreon account, where you'll be able to participate in our polls, conversations on the message board, and ask us questions that you would like to be answered on the show. This can be done for an easy $4 a month or $5 Canadian. If you don't want to be a Patreon subscriber, that's okay. You can always do a, you can always do a one-time donation on Anchor. By supporting us, you allow us to work on new segments, help us create more content for you, the Patreon subscribers. We have fun stuff coming down the pipeline this year, but stay tuned to hear more about that. If you're not able to support us, that's also okay. You can still listen to us for free on many of the podcast services available around the world. 
So with all that being said, let's get this show on the road. Let's get to the news. Nintendo Switch. Please do that in future episodes. I would love it so much. Nintendo Switch has surpassed the 3DS sales over a four-year period. This is from GameIndustry.biz. The firm Nintendo revealed in its last financial report that 79.87 million Switch devices have been shipped worldwide. The console is currently Nintendo's fifth best-selling machine behind the Nintendo DS with 154 million, Nintendo Wii 101.6 million, and the Game Boy, which will probably forever be my favorite, 118.7 million, and the Game Boy Advance, 81.5 million. Nintendo estimates that the Switch is sitting at around 74, that refers to actual consumer buyers, actual consumers buying the console from a retail store. So basically, that, that 79.87 million is shipped, hasn't been sold. So they're estimating about 74 million have actually been purchased by consumers, which would be me. And that is a, uh, a lump sum of both the Switch and the Switch Lite. So it's kind of a drop off though from like the other console because they also like over a hundred million. Yeah, well, I mean, we're at a, so the DS was easy. Yeah, the DS is actually the best selling console out of everything, I believe. It even beat the PS2. Though I might, I might look that up real quick before I say that firmly. But uh, the DS is actually yeah. So the DS is actually the best selling like video game console, definitely handheld. But if you're to like put everything together, it is the best. And I mean, like the DS had such a great lineup of video games, though, and 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 it's it's the most easily portable device that Nintendo has ever made. Because like, even with like my 3DS right now, I mean that thing is it's pretty big compared to like the DS. Because I have the XL size, like not the uh, it's nothing smaller. But the like, if you think of like a DS Li, like you could wear like a nice dress shirt and like just pop that thing in your left pocket. And so like, I mean, and then the Wii, the Wii was a huge phenomenon. I mean, with the whole motion control and stuff like that. I mean, that thing did so well. But then you had the Wii U, which crashed. Which, on a side note, uh, I read earlier that uh, the DS Lite actually surpassed the Wii U, which isn't like a huge... uh, It's not like a huge hurdle to jump over because the Wii U was kind of a flop. But but it it did surpass it. So the Switch Lite's on its way to grow. But yeah, you're right. With like like the 100 millions and stuff like that. But... You also have to realize that you said the word console, but like really it's only the Wii that's on there that's actually a console. As for like the DS, the Game Boy, and the Game Boy Advance were were all handhelds. But that being said, like what do you guys think about what do you guys think about like the Switch surpassing the 3DS, which I don't actually know how long the life cycle of the 3DS was after the DS. Um, like, are we including just added last year? Are we including the new 3DS as well? <clears throat> yeah, it it would be it'd be all like iterations of the 3DS. So you oh, then 3DS, that's 3DS, actually well. quite surprising. Because like, 3DS yeah, how long... is an amazing little console. How long? How what was the life cycle of the 3DS? Um, actually... the first one, I, yeah, I had mine for at least three years, and then I bought a new 3DS afterwards, and I had the new I... 3DS up until it finished. So I want to say at least over five. Okay, so put this in perspective. Uh, the Switch <laughs> came Switch out for. Well, the Switch, yeah, it is a hybrid. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because I got a lot to talk about. I got a lot to say about like how it's a hybrid. But um, four years ago, the Switch was released. So it was 2017 uh, as of March, this coming March. So three years and 11 months. But the 3DS was released back in February 26, 2011. 
So in 10 years, uh, the Switch has surpassed a 3DS in four. And then oh, also keep in mind that the Nintendo DS, well, that's a lie, actually. It wouldn't be 10 years, it'd be nine years, because they stopped making 3DSs last year. But I believe, yeah. Uh, they, they stopped well, selling a lot. For a while, the DS was also marketed to a different uh, type of game. Kids. With Kids. all the, but with the, like, all the mind games and uh, oh yeah, so like kid, that. Like, it was kids, marketed to a lot of older people just to keep yeah. their mind sharp and to Memory save games. Alzheimer's and dementia. Is that true though? Yeah, no, he's right. Yeah, it was marketed to to an older no, older, I mean uh, like older generation. I mean, did it actually help them with their dementia? Well, I don't think anyone. I, I saw don't think ads anyone. when no, I was living fine. in the UK that. <laughs> kind of suggested it without saying it probably for legal reasons well okay. i think because no no study i i to my knowledge to this day i mean i will maybe look up to I'll look it up for next episode but um to my knowledge right now i don't think a study's ever been done like because we're thinking brain age and and all that crap right yeah it just helped you yeah. enjoy the decline a bit more yeah well yeah okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> easier it's easier um yeah no he, he no but but nolan is right it was it was marketed to both like younger kids and uh and the more elderly adult as being like an easy use like for them it's it's about how yeah to to use the mind games and like memory games to keep your memory fresh and and uh alzheimer's would be a good example like nolan used um and then kids because while it was an easy portable thing it was cheap and a lot of the games on there were like for I mean, for people like me who are like Nintendo fandoms, but uh, but also for like a younger audience as well. But I mean, keeps like, your kids quiet in the car. You would know. I do. But I on would that, not. Uh, but I was actually gonna look up. Uh, I was actually gonna look up uh, Wii U console sales because I am curious how many how many Wii U's were sold. Uh, so if you guys want to vamp for me for two seconds. So um, what was your guys' uh, favorite game that came out on the Wii? Uh, I still love Mario Kart. I actually, I have, I, I'm going to hold my answer for later because uh, it actually, my answer is going to tie into a different news. Oh, okay. uh, a new headlines. I was, uh, and this isn't even a meme. My fucking boy was uh we sports bro that game was unbelievably good dude i loved the golf i bought like three other golf games and every one of them sucked compared to golf on the Wii sport uh baseball was really good too um yeah no man like it's one of those things where even though i haven't had a Wii since like god i was like 12 maybe for 10 bucks no one will sell you one I yeah no thank you, um, I just that's the one memory I have for it man like well I was so I I looked it up here real quick and uh twenty six uh sorry nineteen point five four million Wii U's were sold wow yeah. that hurts yeah it does hurt because I am I'm an apologist for the Wii U I think that console was fucking awesome yeah uh, well you're fucking wrong just kidding no I'm fucking right. <laughs> Well, nearly 7 billion people disagreed with you. Yeah, yeah. well, all 7 billion people go suck it. The reason, why that console, the reason why that console was so goddamn great 
is because it had something that the uh, Switch does not have, and that I would I would like in some shape or like I like what they're doing with the Switch, but uh, the Virtual Console was the best thing on the Wii U, and if and, like I had more old games on that Wii U than I have ever bought like new games, like easy ten to one for every one Wii U game I had, I had like ten like Super Nintendo, Game Boy Advance games, I uh, like N sixty four games were on there, like man, I had a lot, and it was. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Like, and to be able to like, like at some points, like I didn't even play it on the TV because you can play all those old games directly on like the Wii U pad. And I would literally just have the thing plugged into my wall, no TV, and I just go lay in bed and I would play like Golden Sun or Final Fantasy Three or uh, Super Smash Brothers and stuff like that. Like I played all of that like on my on my Wii U, and it was awesome. God, I'm I'm so upset. I mean, I got a sweet deal for it when I traded in for my Switch, but. God, I, I I cried a little when I did it. Also on the Wii U, that was the best goddamn game ever that I wish would come to Switch was Nintendo Land. Oh. Never played it. Man, I love Nintendo Land. And I would like if they could form some way of it coming to Switch, which would be hard because one game on there was uh oh god, what was it called? I don't know. Anyways, it uh you had to like basically so you, it was a five player game. One of you would be Mario, so you'd have the pad. The game pad is Mario, and you control uh, Mario with the pad. The other four players would be on the screen as Toads, and literally Mario Chase, ha ha! And you'd actually have to chase Mario around. So like all four of you had to work together to chase him around and like tackle Mario. And man, the amount of dekes and dukes I would do like all the way through that to like get away from like any of the Toads was amazing, and like. It would record your face the entire time. So as you're looking at the screen, you see like your toads and then my face would be like right in the middle where I'm like all serious into this being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, oh man, it was such a good game. I miss that game so much, but they had a lot of good, Nintendo Land was awesome and I would love it to come back. That's, I mean, 26 point, whatever, sorry, 19.54 million people know what I'm talking about. So that's all that matters. Okay. Apparently... On February 4th of this year, 2021, Super Nintendo World Theme Park in Osaka, Japan opened. Uh, I thought, I thought they pushed it back. I don't know. This is I, I just pulled it up here. Maybe this is wrong. But Have you watched the trailer yeah, for that? I thought that was delayed. I, yeah, it looks I just, great. I just thought of it like, oh, that'd be cool if there's a theme park in Nintendo Land. And then I looked it up just right now. Yeah. No. Have you watched a trailer for it, though? No. No one if no one has watched the trailer trailer for that, watch watch uh watch the trailer for it. Like the there was a Nintendo Direct like for that theme park. That theme park looks goddamn unreal. Like it looks like you actually like a video game. It does. It 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 does. And like watching the coins like twirl in the in the light is mind boggling. On the note of like how um how well the switch is done, we're actually I'm gonna go through uh key games over the last nine months uh that sold really well so tomorrow all stars 3d 8.32 million shipped sorry didn't sold shipped my my fault on that one so 8.32 millions shipped of super mario 3d all stars paper mario origami king which i kind of want but i'm on the fence about 3.05 million pikmin 3 i've played it and beat it already 1.94 excuse me 1.94 million mario kart live home which I'm actually slightly surprised about. 1.08 million. And Ring Fit Adventure 
which I also own, is 5.95 million units. Uh, but giving its sales of about, but like from sales reports, it's about 8.68 million. Uh, so Nintendo says that there have been 29 titles which have sold over 1 million units on Switch during the fiscal year so far. Granted, we're in a pandemic, so some some games obviously would be like Animal Crossing. Uh, Mario Kart 8 is still the best-selling Switch game. Uh, so yeah, there there there's. I mean, given the pandemic, I'm sure so. Like Switches were so hard to find during this year or last year. Sorry. Uh, I mean, like I had a friend uh, looking for one, and man, it took him probably four months to find one. Fuck it. Yeah, it was hard. Well, Nolan, you wanted one, and you were having a hard time, weren't you? Yeah, I had to buy mine off of some sucker. Yeah, yeah. well, that guy that guy was an idiot. Yeah, but you <laughs> know what? I hear he has good hair. I've heard he otherwise. He does have good hair. I have heard otherwise from a lot of people. Uh, a lot of his ex-girlfriends, uh, actually. Thanks. Yeah. Don't know what that yeah, means. I don't, I don't, yeah, but I hear they're, they're mean people. This is, might be true, because they did leave him. And he's a pretty good guy, so. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah, Janice, you bitch! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, moving on to the next one. Um, so, I know this is a video game podcast, but I, I had to cover this. because uh, And I, I include this in our Nintendo section because it's Nintendo-related. Nintendo reportedly canceled a live-action Zelda Netflix series and a Star Fox Claymation. And this comes from IGN. News of the uh, news of the pro- perspective, sorry, news of the perspective live action Legend of Zelda series. This Netflix, wow, I cannot read today. This is from IGN. News of the perspective live action Legend of Zelda series with Netflix hit headlines back in 2015. So this is an old story. When a person familiar with the matter reportedly told WSG that the streamer had described the upcoming show as a Game of Thrones for a family audience. With a story that would have followed Link's uh, follow Link's conquest to save Princess Zelda and the land of Hyrule, however, little more was said after that. So basically, a streamer had familiarity with it and was just like, "Yo, guys, heads up, Zelda's coming out." Uh, after that hit, after it hit headlines, Nintendo probably freaked out and pulled the plug on all of their projects. So, um, regarding the Star Fox claymation. Uh, I, I couldn't find much about it, but I'm assuming something similar. Like, I guess because, like, there was conversation between people and, uh, and, and, like, the public, like, that, like, people involved or familiar with the project end up saying something. So, like, Nintendo just freaked out and pulled it, which is a little weird because, like, if you think about it, that's like half of movie, like, movie marketing. Like, imagine how many things have got leaked about, like, this is happening. Like, I mean, if Tom Holland was involved, we'd already know what the story was about. So, that just makes me think maybe the, uh, those leaked, uh, that leaked story just got some really bad reception. I don't well, think I so. Mean, I, have, I, I, I can't I, see I, how. I, like, it I, just, I none of that makes any sense. That. Unless I they weren't going to make it. Well, that's well, Star well, Fox. Well, why I mean, Claymation? Well, that was Star Fox, but I mean, like, The Legend of Zelda... Was live Legend action. Of Zelda would be great, but you need a huge I, budget. I, but think, I don't know, uh, man. Think about it. Your your pro tag. Okay, go on. Oh, sorry, go on, Austin. Um, I was about to say for the live action one for Zelda, I don't really care because usually, 
uh, live action Netflix shows tend to be either hit or miss, right? Like the not all of them are going to end up being Witchers, right? Mm-hmm. But for the claymation, the the Netflix like animation uh, party has been silently hitting out of the park for like the last three series they released. So the it really it's a really big blow to get the Star Fox show taken up. I think my only why claymation. I mean, that game was sold on the type of, like, how 3D it was and the animation of it. Like, why make it claymation? Because, Nolan, you got to remember, um, there's a lot of animation out there now. It's not like, it's not back when uh, an uh, enemy coming over to America and, like, the North, uh, North America for uh, the first time where it was kind of, like, hush-hush and you got made fun of for enjoying it. Right, so there's a lot of regular anime out there, so they're probably trying to do something to stand out. I actually think I fall under that group of the hush hush anime because I don't, I don't really care much about anime at all. Though I will say that some anime is really awesome, though. I I will say though that if they did okay, so my issue with this is if they did Zelda as an anime, I think I'd be way more inclined. But doing this as a live action, where literally your protagonist does not speak a goddamn word, mm-hmm. is a little weird. Um, yeah, and then you have to script it, and like, where do you draw on, like, how do you create that personality Uh, where you don't have anything like that in the game? Well, no, but even with Breath of the Wild, like, you have to realize that the whole the whole concept of Zelda is that, or a Legend of Zelda is that you are a Link, like you, you are like when they made that game, the reason why he's silent is because you are that person, like you are playing as Link, like you are you are the protagonist. So like the way you want to do things and the way things happen is like, it's kind of like your own personal reaction. Like the way the story goes is how it, and, and the way it makes you feel is ideally how the way link is supposed to feel. And that's why he oh, never said the word. Netflix series, but on VR. Gotcha. That, that would be good. That um, would be I was good. Just about to say, it would be a, like, maybe if they want to do that, maybe they just make it uh, like canon that links a mute. They can't talk. I mean, they could. There's nothing stopping them from doing it. I, yeah, I mean, I think it would. I think it would. I, think it would just, I would be slightly opposed to it. I don't know. Like, I would be more. Actually, that's a lie. I would probably take that over, um, over him not over uh, over him speaking. I think if he was to speak, that would actually ruin it more for me. Yeah. So they just have him do sign language and just have his companions randomly know sign language. And then you just teach a bunch of innocent children how to speak sign language. Yeah, just like that. It's a learning show in the end. Yeah, no but like I was... Th- Sorry, I just he hasn't said anything for a while, so I figured I'd pull him in. <laughs> <laughs> did any of you ever watch the old Zelda cartoons? I did. He talks in there, doesn't he? he I know he does. Uh, yeah. yeah, he... No! No, he doesn't. I don't think he does. I don't know now. I well, actually pretty be, sure he doesn't. It could be like the Mandalorian where he takes his helmet off like at the end of every season and just at the end of every season of Zelda he he says one word and it's like, "Oh, wow." <laughs> at the end of like six like, uh seasons he has one sentence down. Yeah, it's just like it's just like yeah. Zelda hot babe. That's yeah. All I mean, that's like, all that's the all camera slowly zooms in on his face direct address and he says one word. I am currently looking up Legend of Zelda cartoon, and I am going to see 
<laughs> if he actually speaks because I am super goddamn curious. <laughs> oh, and and, us- and usually uh, there's an ad. Of course, there's an ad. Why? Oh, pause. Sorry, guys. So, I wish um, I could play this but I can't. It's just subtitles of his thoughts. To keep us a I'm little on track it here, on. I can't. I can't hear it. Yeah, to to keep us a little on track here. Um, I'm actually I I'm really disappointed about Star Fox, but like I he was speaks. saying before, Netflix is uh Netflix's track record for live action shows aren't exactly amazing. Well, what was the what? Well, and Margot Polo was super good. It was, was but it just didn't ever. It didn't hit with a off. lot of people though. No, so I mean to say that. It's not so to say that it's it's like it's a hit and miss. It's definitely a hit and miss with like a lot. Like you know, if the majority of people aren't watching it, then yeah, they'll get rid of it. But but hold up though, hold up. So I I just want to I actually want to like I, I want to stoke the fire here. So um now Jonah brought up something really awesome, is that Nintendo Land as usual, as usual Nintendo Land's opening. <laughs> who's Nintendo Who's Nintendo Land opening with? It's a uh, Universal what Studios. Do oh, do we all think that maybe uh, that a maybe well that maybe Nintendo <laughs> wanted to actually like make better relations with Universal than with Netflix? Like, do you think maybe because Universal found out, or you know, there's a there's a relationship between like Universal Studios and Nintendo that like when Netflix came into a pow- came into the picture that it ruffled some feathers because like. That's possible. That makes a lot honest. of sense. Let's be honest. Like game, like game leaks are pretty bad. Like when when a game is leaked, like it's pretty bad. So some, so you can argue that like Nintendo overreacted in that sense because, like, I mean, like let's be honest. Like Assassin's Creed Origin was like found out about on a plane, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was leaked on a plane. Yep. Like a guy just opened his laptop and Assassin's Creed Origin was there, and the guy next to him was like. Oh, oh, you're hey, making Assassin's Creed Origin? Yeah. <laughs> like so it got leaked <laughs> that way. And then uh but like I mean that was that was pretty big, but I mean Ubisoft is a bad example because everything leaks. Um but uh but I mean again, like going back to what I said earlier with like movies, like that's like half the marketing gig is where like when little snippets come out and it gets released to the public, you know, people get more hyped about the about the movie, about the TV show. I mean like when uh, like Spire well, I mean, think about like uh, Spider-Man Three that's coming out, and like how like reports are coming out that like Tom, uh, that uh, that Tobey Maguire is going back in it, in it, Andrew Garfield's in it. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember the actor who played uh, who played uh, Octavius in Spider-Man Two is coming back into it. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, gonna yeah. be and in it. Yeah, yeah, so, so like, and like how hyped? You're naming like a very popular series, right? There's other leaks that come out all the Zelda, time that though. people hate. Zelda's pretty popular though yeah like so, if they came up with a movie I'd be okay with it but I don't think that Netflix should do a TV series I'm I'm just curious if like Universal Studios and Nintendo kind of got into some ruffled feathers because of it possibly possible but, man um, that makes a lot of sense I, you, does, Universal doesn't do TV though usually right so they do movies yeah, so like, if they're also Actually, planning on doing a, ne- uh, a Zelda movie at the same time as a TV series, I don't think there's anything well, we, to really worry about in that. Situation. We have the Mar- we have Mario Mario uh, movie coming out with the uh, Illumination. 
same yeah. creators as uh, Minions. That's hey, Universal. You, are you excited? Are you excited to see like Mario do Fortnite dances? Because you know that's probably what's going to end up happening with that. <laughs> I will probably watch it regardless. Personally, and there's no I way mean, it's like, going to be anywhere near as good as the uh, Mario Brothers movie in the '90s. God, that was so bad. <laughs> if 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 Yoshi isn't a real goddamn dinosaur and like Bowser's not some weird like skull like horned dude, I'm gonna be really yeah. upset. Um, like, but after watching Sonic, I think they may have finally figured out the like the formula. You know, that was a good movie. Yeah, Sonic was surprisingly good. And I, I mean, was no, I was a hundred percent sure Sonic was gonna bomb, but you know, it's well, gonna it was gonna bomb when they. I mean, when they first uh, when they first released uh, sidetrack sidetrack, but yeah, when they first released uh, the images of what Sonic would look like, yeah, I was a little pissed. And she cast uh, Jim Carrey as Luigi and Zach Galifianakis as Mario. Okay, that, that would be great. That would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, could you imagine though? <laughs> Could you imagine? And then next thing you know is they're in Las Vegas and they both did too much uh too much with them. date rape drugs and just oh, blacked Christ out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> hangover hangover in Mushroom Kingdom. I'd 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 do it. Hey. <laughs> Todd Phillips directs. <laughs> all right moving on moving on uh so our, ne- our next story is uh ps5s so i haven't been able to get one austin i know you haven't got one yep nolan doesn't know what it is bones is a <laughs> bones he hasn't been able to get one though i don't know if you he- all right you'll get one you'll get one but um, you're telling me I'll, I'll get mine one day. Is that, is that what I was about to say, I'm like, okay. oh, you didn't even get a choice in the matter. I'm just like, no, you're I buying will... one, bitch. Hey, so the story, the story, there's a story behind this <laughs> PS4 where I made him buy it. So if it has to be a PS5 too, so be it. <laughs> I had plans to buy it initially. <laughs> you did. You, you did. You were just now you're my, not though. Just you were spite. you were my ride. I needed a ride to the mall, <laughs> and you happened to be there. And then you're talking all this jive about PlayStations. I'm like, well. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I should. <laughs> <laughs> so that goes to our listeners is uh have you been able to get a PS5? Um this is from Polygon. Sony shipped more than 4.5 million PlayStation 5s. This isn't in the quote, but I will add a caveat that only uh about 10 to 15% of them were sold like secondhand. So like uh scalpers, about 10 to 15% were sold by scalpers. Yeah, I hate those guys. Fuck those guys. Oh, fuck them indeed. I'm going to continue after I'm done burping my beer. Uh, from the console's November 12th launch to the end of the year. But this looks at a, but it looks but it look at a loss on the sales because the PS5's strategic price point is lower than what it costs to manufacture it. Sorry to everybody that I butchered that sentence, but I'll explain it later. Sony PlayStation's <laughs> revenue from the game sales, both PS4 and PS5 add on con- uh add on content included plus larger profit margins on outgoing PlayStation 4s more th- more than made up for the shortfall the company said the company said sorry i'm really bad at reading that but i'm going to explain what i just said basically what happened here is that 4.5 million playstations were sold from november 4th sorry november 12th holy crap from november 12th to the end of the year so that's november 12th to december 31st 
I am gonna I'm I'm trying really hard. Uh, <laughs> but for the but for the strategic price point, which is like in here in Canada, you can do it. It's five ninety nine for a disc console, and it is four ninety nine for a discless console. As to the states, it's uh four ninety nine. Three ninety nine, so obviously it's a hundred dollar difference between them and us. But for them to be competitive with Xbox, because the Xbox Series X launched at uh, again here five ninety nine, states four ninety nine, but then they had the Series S at here it's three it's three fifty uh, four forty nine right here, in, and then three forty nine in the states. Yeah. Um. So because of the sales point to be competitive, like their sales price that they sold it at. PlayStation was selling it for less than what it costs to manufacture it. But them saying in here that with PS4, PS5 add-ons, uh, and like the software, so like games and all that stuff, it made up more than enough to like make up that loss. So basically PlayStation makes more off its games than it does. It's making more off its games than it is its consoles. Consoles. Mm-hmm. So isn't that what happened with the PS4 when that was uh, first launched? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a uh, I think they were losing. I don't know how much they're losing now. I think it's about fifty bucks. Uh, again, uh, if some, I mean, I'm spewing shit. If you, the listeners, want to go look it up, please do. I'm spewing shit, but I'm pretty sure it's fifty bucks for PS5 that that they're losing right now. But for the PS4, it was only twenty dollars. Yeah, but even if it's fifty bucks, you, they'll make that back so fast on off the customers. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And, and to be fair, like. I, I mean, we're in a pandemic, so is that to say because like manufacturing is so low that costs of those products have gone up, right? Supply and demand, like, possibly. Yeah, they so will become cheaper to make in, in the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like PS4. Again, like if you think about it, like you know what was it two years ago they were offering a PS4 with three games. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it, it will become cheaper to make. But I, I know when this whole thing started and like the shortfall was happening, it wasn't just because of a manufacturing process because I believe PlayStation and Xbox are using the same, some of the same parts, but uh, a lot of the parts that they're using are also used in smartphones. And so when you have like, and I mean like I'm a Sam, I'm an Android user. So Samsung came out with their uh, Samsung 21. So there's like, what you got like a million phones being made right then and there. So that, that eats up into the supply. Um, but again, like their software makes up more than enough for it for for their loss, and that makes sense. I mean, they have a lot of first party releases. That's also well, true. The whole point of releasing it at a loss is for market share because the number of users they have, the more users they have, the more they're going to make monthly with all their different revenue streams going into it. Um, honestly, though, I guess their share price um, would increase because they'll have more customers. And um, for the like, you gotta remember. Yeah, they might be uh, losing fifty dollars on a console, right? But like, every person who's gonna go out there is probably gonna buy an extra controller at like ninety dollars to a hundred dollars. I don't know how much the PS Five controllers cost right now, but you got yeah, you gotta the remember. guy only costs five bucks to make. Yeah, so yeah, peripherals um, are cheaper to make. Yeah, so the the they're probably going to be making that up in other different uh, segments of their stuff, not just games. It could be controllers. Yeah, no, you're right. You're be, right. Uh... Oh, you're right. Accessory. It's like the remotes. Yeah. No. Exactly. Again. Yeah. Yeah. You both are right. So peripherals. I'm sorry. I should have mentioned that earlier, but you you guys nailed it on the head there. Yeah. So the peripherals, obviously, they do sell more than what it costs to make. 
Um, so they do, they do make money. Uh, they do make more money on the peripherals and on their software than they do on the actual console. Apparently they come with a nice set of headphones. I don't know if they come with the headphones. I think you have to buy those separately. Oh, a review I watched yeah. that came with it. Yeah, uh, you're talking about the 3D headphones, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you do buy you buy those separately, yeah. Um, but they are supposed to be super good. Though you don't... Uh, I've been reading up on it. You don't actually... Uh, you don't... Uh, there, there's some good third-party ones out there, too, that still have the same 3D audio. That being said, again, I'm not... I'm not a PlayStation 5 user, so I can't say for certain if like if the settings for like how the audio works is a little different if you use uh their headphones compared to when compared to when you uh if you use like a third party one. But I'm just gonna like I'm I'm gonna okay, so uh I'm just gonna throw this out there here though, real quick. So uh Japan goes off both this story and last story. Um Japan uh Year to year in Japan, Switch has sold 536,000 units. PS5 sold 62,000 units. PS4 sold 72,000 units. And the 3DS sold 2,124 units. So uh, regarding console wars in Japan, I would say that uh, the PS5 dominated. So And that and, and I say that because it's to, um, to Nolan's, Nolan's idea of market share, right? That in, in Japan selling selling the PS5 at that price point, I mean I, it's it's sold right, and that's to say that and I mean that being said again caveat is that uh, or caveat sorry that is um, Xbox has never like Microsoft's never really done well in Japan, but if the PS5 was cheaper than the Xbox, I mean would it would it be said that uh, it it sold better? Yeah, no. I think so. Well, perceived value might be lower though, because now it's like again, lower. these are this is a Japanese company versus a American one, right? Because Sony's Japan, Microsoft is. So keep that in mind with with what you guys have to say, because I mean, Austin might be right being no because it's Japan, but you guys might be right because it costs less. My God, you're right. <laughs> I'm drinking. I'm drinking a really nice beer. Uh, and if they want to sound that, like a nice beer. <laughs> If they want to pay me for saying the name, they can. So that's all I have to say. We might all get a free PS5 out of this if we keep talking them up. Man, yeah. I would, I would, I would, I would take that. I would take that. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So we don't normally talk about. Like, I, I don't think we'll ever talk about games coming out this month or anything like that because. Uh, other podcasts will do that, and there's always a huge list of things to go through and. We got too much fun stuff to talk about, so we will skip that. But uh, because we are at the beginning of February, uh, I do want to talk about uh, games coming out for free on PlayStation and Xbox. So this this month's PlayStation Plus games is Control Ultimate Edition on PS4 and PS5. Yeah, it's free. Now, here's here's the thing, though, is that when you go on the... uh, If you go on the PlayStation 4 store, you will see it for PlayStation 4. And if you go on the PlayStation 5 store... You'll see it for both, and if you go on your phone using the PlayStation app, you'll see it for both. So it'll say so there'll be two free uh, Control Ultimate Editions. I say if you have a PS4, download them both. If you have a PS5, 100%. or sorry, if you have if you're using the phone, download them both. If you have a PS5, download them both. If you still have a PS4, download them both. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Just download both of them regardless, just to be safe, because 
uh, when Call of Duty came out, there was a whole spiel about how people are downloading the PS4 version and not the PS5 version. And that's a whole thing. So just download them both for free. You can't go wrong. Um, also, if you have a VR, Concrete Genies is out, which I haven't played. I have downloaded. And I may report on that next time. So I'm, I'm kind of into it. I'm curious what it's like. So I, I will give that. I'll give that a roll, uh, a roll for, you know, because it's free. Uh, on PS5 only is Destruction All-Stars, which none of us have played because none of us own a PS5. But um, I did read the... Uh, I didn't read it, but I saw the IGN uh, rating. They gave it a 6, which is awesome for me. Uh, basically, it's like a... Uh, I don't know. Fortnite meets uh, Apex meets like... I don't. Basically, you're in a car. It's a battle royale. Yeah, it's a battle. Yeah, it's a battle rail. You're in a car. You can like smash things and do stuff. But you can also be on foot, get hit by a car. But if you don't get hit by a car, you can actually like take over someone's car and like destroy it. I don't really know, yeah. but look into it. Uh, I, apparently, it's not that great. But uh, I did listen to an interview with the developers and how like they have like a whole thing planned. Like they have like the whole next year planned for the game. And like some people are thinking like maybe like Kratos will make an appearance or like. Uh, you know, like uh, Drake from the Uncharted, like they might start bringing in like first party uh, PlayStation characters into the game. I mean, some games, like some of these games, I like release badly, but I think da- a year down the road, they're like supremely amazing. So, I mean, who knows? This might be a really good game. But yeah, all right. Well, that's that's all we that's all we got from the news. And after this, we are going to move on to music. So everyone has that one song they can play in the background no matter what situation, no matter what game, what genre, anything like that. Um, but first, I actually have a question. Um, do you guys have a song like that that you would play during like any background at all? I think it's disrespectful really for, for, for the music producers of the video game, so I just listen to video game music. Like even if you're like just grinding, for example. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't play other music. Behind in the uh, background of the video game that I'm playing that has music, like like not even grinding or anything. Um, well, if you if you're grinding, you're on the dance floor and the DJ's DJ's got you covered, so you don't. Yeah, you're you need right. To you're right. <laughs> Good what about you guys? I uh, often don't listen to the game music. Really? I often have my own music, and my headphones going. Uh, I uh, I lately I've I've been lately having Capcom Mega Man music stuck in my head, like particularly Mega Man X, where it's just like dun 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 I don't know why I've had that stuck in my head for so long. Like I love Mega Man music. I love Mega Man music. But see, for me personally, um, during any situation, if I'm just running around in Persona or I'm grinding away at Destiny, I could listen to actually the topic we're listening to right now, um, which is Ezio's family from Assassin's Creed 2. I know Nolan's probably going to be the outlier here, but uh, have you guys played any Assassin's Creed games? Bones, yes, Origins, and <laughs> Origins and Odyssey. So My you played the new one. Amazing. I right, played. Perfect. I've played uh, Assassin's Creed One, Assassin's yeah. Creed Three. Uh, I've played and uh, Origins, and so like, you skipped it, over the entire Ezio trilogy. Literally, I buy things as they come on sale, and 
and also have a limited amount of funds. And so when Origins came out and everyone was saying how great Origins was and it was on sale, I was like, I'm going to do it. Oh, and yeah, I, I, almost did, I, I, I almost bought the trilogy, though. It was on sale for a while for PS4. But uh, I, I I don't know what kept stopping me. I, I don't know. I, I didn't. Well, I just didn't. Honestly, man, you missed out on probably some of the best Assassin's Creed games, at least in my opinion. Well, because yeah, of these you, Austin. Old, I never played any of these. These all came out during my Dark Ages. But yeah. but because of you, Austin, because of you, I did listen to Ezio's family. You should remaster the old one. Um, I, I what think do you mean the old they... one? Uh, so I think he's talking about one, two, and pretty much the rest of Ezio's stuff. So I was watching the video clip of Ezio's family getting hanged, and those those are not great graphics. No. Well, it's an old game, man. It's an old game. Uh, the, first but... one, the first, the first one wasn't that great, though. I mean, like no, it was very they... repetitive. Well, see, that's the whole. Po- that's what made Assassin's Creed Two so uh, perfect. Right, they took a good baseline like Assassin's Creed One with an uninter- uninteresting uh, protagonist and like a cookie cutter plot, and they actually expanded on it in every d- different aspect. Like Assassin's Creed Two is an absolutely phenomenal game, but um, for me, the thing that really sold that game was its music and the uh, the musical composer Jesper Kidd. Um, didn't only do Assassin's Creed games, even though he was actually known for them. He uh direct he was uh he was directly in control of the um but he's actually known for other games. <laughs> um <laughs> he's uh he's did uh the first four uh uh Hitman games. Oh, he really? did all th- yeah. He did uh he also oh, did yeah. um all three Borderlands. Oh really? Right. So he's not he hasn't been around for a super long time. But no. He has he's has done some real fucking banger games, guys. Well, Borderlands pretty popular, so for sure that for me yeah. personally. Um, uh, the nice uh, real fun fact is, uh, Jasper Kid did the first four Assassin's Creed games as well. So he did up until uh, uh, Revelations. So he did all of Ezio's uh, stuff and all of Altair's stuff, and then afterwards. Uh, for Assassin's Creed 3 and Black Flag, they went with a different uh, composer, which he himself said, he's like, no, it's okay. Like, they're going through it for a different uh, style of music. But then they brought back Ezio's family for a diff- for every single game after that. So there's actually a different version of Ezio's family for every single game filmed or uh, composed like it would be composed in that uh, region. Do you do you know? I, I just quick question. Do you was it used ever in like the movie? Um, actually, I didn't know. I didn't even think about looking that up. I, um, I'm gonna do it while you talk. His... I'm, not, I'm gonna do it. Actually, if you don't mind. Yeah, because like, um, he did come back after nine years since uh Revelations. He did uh compose AC Valhalla, um, which um speaking of Valhalla, um, did you try Valhalla Bones? No, not yet. I'm still working my way through Odyssey. Okay. Odyssey's a big game, so I can understand that. There's a lot. There's a lot to get through. No, I'm looking up Assassin's Creed, and there's a lot of games there. A lot. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a big... You know where it's made, too, right? Uh, uh, in uh, Quebec? Yeah, Montreal. Oh, is it? Montreal. Ubisoft, Ubisoft yeah. Montreal, man. Um, uh, another, another two games that he also did, which is surprisingly... Uh, like which has some really good soundtrack darksiders 2 has anybody played darksiders series i have i have played darksiders i played darksiders 2 i didn't play one or three yeah see three is pretty 
uh, well, not great. One is uh, all right, but uh, Darksiders 2 is really special, and I, it has a great soundtrack. I still remember when you finally get your horse and you ride out into the open area, that first map. Man, is that fucking great. The music's blaring. It's just awesome. To start off, as always, I got our other host to listen to the song beforehand. Uh, and, and honestly, I'm curious about your guys' opinion on it. I listened to all the versions on uh, on YouTube. And yeah. uh, I liked how the instrumentation changes throughout. But it was it was also interesting how uh, in the Origins one, they have like synthesizers going. But in an Odyssey, they have more period... Not period correct instrumentation, but more instrumentation that uh, doesn't rely on like uh, electronic music so much. Like the no, music, 100%. the instrumentation sounds like it's more period accurate, even though they probably I don't know if they had like acoustic guitars back in those days. They probably they used might have lutes. had like like a lute or a mandolin or whatever. Um, and it, like the Assassin's Creed Valhalla one is awesome too, man. They got like the Viking. Uh, deep instead of the high uh, yeah. the woman singing it. It's like this deep Viking man. It's good. Yeah, it's more period correct type music. And then I noticed in the earlier versions of Assassin's Creed, they have like actual distorted electric guitar. Yeah. So I think they're getting more accurate to the, the time period with their instrumentation. That's what I noticed. Um, and I'll actually get into the electric guitar. But Nolan, what do you think? I never played the game, but I listened to the song and I thought, like for Assassin's Creed 2, I thought it was the the music was beautiful, and I really you could hear the that haunting singing from the woman there, and like just in the background of it, and it seemed like a really atmospheric song to me, and it felt like listening to it, I could feel that there was some kind of like I don't know grief or something like that and the end of it was a bit melancholy and so then when i googled assassin's creed 2 and looked at the plot of the game it all made sense and it all really fit really well yeah and like that's what i mean it, it's a song that you can literally listen to in any situation like i literally listened to that song on the bus reading a book but andrew what did you think about it well, I'm wondering if you lost your phone while listening to the song, reading a book, but... I did lose my phone listening to this song, actually, reading the book. <laughs> That's how euphoric those melodies are. They just, you get yeah. lost in them. Uh, um, I actually have to agree with a lot with Nolan said, because, uh, yeah, he's right. Like, with, uh, like, when you listen to it, it's like listening to an opera, like, uh, an or- orchestra going for it. And then, like, yeah, you have that lady just saying her, like, saying the, uh, in the background and stuff. And, yeah, you, you get a sense of, you do get a sense of grief or, you know, as you said, inter-turmoil where, like, you know, uh, Ezio's family is dealing with, with uh, a dramatic loss or pain of some sort. And uh, and it, it's it's brought it's brought through in the song and in the music itself. So, yeah, I have to say I, I do agree with, honestly, with a lot with Nolan, what, what Nolan said. What was interesting to me was reading the comments when I looked up the song and like so many of the comments were like, this isn't Ezio's family. This is Assassin's Creed. And, and actually like, I'll get back the into whole that community later seems on. To, yeah. The whole community seems to just really take to that song. And well, all the it's the melodies used throughout each series. Well, that's because it actually was picked up afterwards to uh, later become the Assassin's Creed theme. It's not just Ezio's theme anymore. So I, I just got a quick question on my part. Um, yeah, what's up? 
Uh, well, so I'm not that far into Origins personally. Uh, and so I'm just curious, like, and I'm going to sound like a real idiot about it, but like, in what part does it actually play in Origins that you hear it? The intro, like the, the, the main screen. Is it actually the intro? Like the main screen? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck, Every man. I'm going to have to listen harder next time I play it. I, I don't, so, I, I have to say, I don't listen to the intro music that hard. Um, and except, also, except for Mega Man. It's, it's just like the title card. It, it's, it, uh, for example, in Assassin's Creed 2, it really flares up during the title card when it's like, welcome to Assassin's Creed 2. I'm, uh, I, I'm guessing it probably does the same in Origins. So, but, see, no, sorry. So, it became famous because of that intro scene, or was it like more prominent during like a very like dramatic scene that happened in the game? No, just the intro. Oh, okay. It's the, the main cool. theme music that everything, all yes, the music it's... in the game is based on that. Oh, okay, 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 cool. I See, sound like a, a loser in this, but I'm I'm down no, with it. Man, it's it's it, fine. This is all to learn, right? I'm not I'm not really See, a nerd. I'm just a wannabe that sits here. <laughs> <laughs> See. Um, I fell in love with this song, this uh, the song because just through the instruments that Kid decided to use during it. See, and I can't believe I'm going to make this comparison. Just like the Powerpuff Girls, Kid decided to use everything uh, extra spice and everything nice, right? He used <laughs> he used uh, he used uh, piano, both electric and acoustic guitars, beautiful human vocals, and violins. So he had a little bit of everything oh, in the kitchen stink with that. I um, love that analogy more than anything in the world right now. Yeah, right? Thank you, Thank you for that. With extra spice. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, to actually uh, um, explain it better than I could ever have, right? See, I was gonna, I was gonna take uh, excerpts from different websites and everything like that. But this one, this one guy, uh, Jared Scott from GamingUnion.net, has explains the song perfectly, and I think it would come across better to you guys and the audience just from his undivided point of view. Um. It begins with both piano and heavily uh, processed synth. There's a very soft, light, and calm tone. It's so calm, in fact, that it would be uh, that would be content just to loop with the music, uh, remaining in a loop, playing the same soft sound over and over. But thank goodness the composer chose not to do so. Instead of the music, it, instead the music is taken up a notch from its from the prelude. Uh, with little time wasted, the piano and synths are accompanied with a choir of joining vocals that, ex- uh, that exude tranquility in the voice. Joining the choir is an electric guitar, also playing calmly and precisely. As the, prog- uh, as the song progresses, the volume increases and uh, in turn adds a sense of expectation. Uh, acoustic guitar joins the scene. But then something interesting happens, something that I can only assume takes a considerable amount of experience and creativity to achieve. There's a moment where you hear the melody rise, but it sounds like a, young, a voice of a young girl vocalizing along, the, uh, along to the music. Actually, that does come later. This is just an electric guitar uh, from earlier. I listened to Ezio's family perhaps dozens of times, and still I mistake the initial sound for the voice of a young child every time. After a brief period, the guitar is uh, phased out for ethereal vocals to take center stage. Are you all paying attention here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're still uh, here. Yeah. 
I, I agree. I actually really agree with that, uh, with that statement because yeah, I mean, like when you listen to it for the first time and you, and you, and Nolan said that, uh, with the girl, like vocalizing her tones into the music and then Jonah saying that too, with the synthesizer and the See, that's actually guitar. caught me off guard when he brought, when he brought that up, because I didn't think you guys would catch the synth, uh, the synthesizer in the very first few times of the song. Well, we, well, I mean, like Jonah said, though, like later in the game, and then like, I think back to when I was playing Origins and, and Jonah says like, no, that's the intro. And then like, you know, I'm sitting here thinking back to the intro because I, again, be, instead of for some weird reason, Mega Man comes into mind. But when I think back to the intro, it, yeah, like there is like that synthesizer uh, aspect to the song and, and the electric guitar. But then when I listen to it on YouTube, you do hear like a young girl like like doing her vocals and, and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with the, with his uh, analysis of, of the song. Nolan. Oh, like I got nothing else to add to that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See, something to note about the music though. One aspect of Ezio's family uh, that makes it such a pleasure to listen to at, uh, is at the beginning of the song is essentially repeating the same verse over and over and over again, with the final notes changing in both length and pitch each time. Um, Sometimes it's somber and quiet, and other times it's emotional and loud. Uh, Through a simple idea, though a simple idea in design, in practice it's created an amazing composition based on the... An all uh, based around a simple compass. Uh, holy shit! Based <laughs> on a simple con- concept called an ostiato. Um, before you guys ask, according to Google, in in music, short uh, melodic uh, phrases repeated throughout a uh, composition, sometimes slightly varied or uh, transposed to a different pitch, a rhythmic uh, ostiato, ostinato is a short, constant, repeating rhythmic pattern. Hold up. Jonah Bones? Yes. <laughs> Can you is that correct? <laughs> oh uh, un- undoubtedly yes, it is very correct, I must say. I think that also in that melody, on the ascent is one scale and on the descent is an, it changes, which makes it very interesting to listen to. Much like a harmonic or a, a minor melodic or a minor harmonic scale. What do you mean? Because uh, when you're ascending in those scales, it's it's like a, a typical minor progression of the scale, okay. yeah. step pattern. And then when you, de- when you descend, it changes like this. Even like either the seventh is flattened, or like uh, or in um, what were we talking about last time with the uh, Final Fantasy? He he flattens the fi- the fifth degree of the scale when he descends. Yeah. So he plays the same scale going down, but then he flattens one or two of the notes. The more you know for music nerds. <laughs> can well, we make that our intro pretty much all that section? went straight over my head <laughs> i listened to the music i loved it and see i even put in an explanation of the ostinato and then you guys are like yeah still don't get it <laughs> no yeah i know but but jonah jonah's jonah's got music theory down and and it's good to have his yeah his my boy jonah here uh, my boy Bones here to answer us. <laughs> you, see, you said you said it and then fucked me up. <laughs> but um, continuing on with the music, once the solo vocalist is made known, the song greatly increases in vo- both volume and support uh, from uh, the acoustic guitar. 
piano and a very and a few violins. The violin the violins greatly add the uh, to the suspense and excitement in the air by adding uh, extra layer of depth. It uh, it's preparing you for an adventure of mystery, vengeance, and wonderment. That's fair. Which all yeah, which you catch all that in the music. Exactly. Right. Going back to the concept that we feel as though it's like pain and turmoil. You know, like well, I mean, that is what the character goes through. Literally, all of Assassin's Creed Two is the fact that um, Ezio is dealing with his grief of his family. Yeah, and, and then when you think about like you know, like even though it says the uh, sorry, excuse me, but the, the violence greatly add to the suspense and excitement of the air by adding extra by depth and preparing for adventure and mystery, vengeance and wonderment is a, a very good adaptation of of the song because I mean like. When you think of adventure, you know, you don't always think of sadness or pain or turmoil, but that is an adventure for, for people. And I mean, not always a great adventure, but adventure nonetheless. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that's the, very almost apt. Almost the adventure itself. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's actually very, very deep. Very apt. Very apt. Yeah. But no, if you were if you were in a bad place and you were listening to that song, that could easily make you cry. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, beautiful adventure, music. it's an adventure, right? Like, you go through stages of emotion, so... Oh, and, and that's a powerful song. The music, music is. in that is really powerful. Yeah. It's just a powerful thing to be be able to mood by something like that. What was Bones going to say? Oh, the scale of what everything you guys just said is re- uh, represented in the scale. Because on the ascent, mm-hmm. it's like adventurous, and on the descent, it's the, the turmoil. So so basically, when you hit the peak of that, it's it's almost like the climax, and then you yes. you hit you hit the resolution as you go down. By yeah. George, like, I think you have it. Yeah, like a story, like a story. Yeah. Exactly. Wow, I think we're who, becoming who, more who, educated here. Who would have thought yeah. that a video game had a you know beginning and then into a, a climax and a resolution? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's almost like it's a story. It's almost like it's an adventure, <laughs> Bones, an adventure. <laughs> all right i only have two more paragraphs here a single violin plays a sad solemn tone and the childlike voice begins to stretch to new heights just as the, just as this is the case the next passage enters the vocals go quiet allowing for the acoustic guitar and piano to play in unison the woman's voice uh, quietly resumes but in a different light this then becomes the extended outro for the piece uh, as it hits its peak Ezio's family uh, resumes uh, resumes resumes the family cycle uh, of the hypnotic uh, repetition with great power, volume, and impact. The electric guitar, no longer content with its calming performance, roars onto the scene for the crescendo. Gone is the innocence of the music uh, that it started out with. The music is no longer somber, or peaceful. It's bold, brazen, and full of heavy emotion. Now, see for this right here, I think this is. This represents Ezio's journey from the end of Assassin's Creed 2 to Brotherhood. As he slowly grows past his pain from be, for witnessing that horrible act into becoming uh, a man and um, a master assassin. Bold and brazen. What do you... Like, hold brazen. up, sorry. What do, you, what do you... So, like, what exactly are you getting at with that, though? Sorry. Um, because as the, cause the song starts off as uh somber and peaceful yeah, so yeah, somber yeah. um could be him going through his emotional st- status and he actually starts off for the first couple assassination missions just out of straight revenge he's just angry and upset but 
as it, uh, the song like progresses and it goes from being somber and peaceful to more bold and brazen. Like the electric guitar doesn't even care about its uh, calming performance. It just lets loose. Right. Hmm. And I think that's uh, could represent Ezio letting loose of his uh, guilt of fa- essentially failing his family. Okay. So it mirrors yeah. his uh, evolution then. Exactly. Um, it it, it ev- mirrors his evolution from being uh, from the boy who watched his family die to the assassin, uh, master assassin, who is calm, quiet, and confident. But sadly, it begins to t- uh, it begins to it, it sadly it begins to take its leave. The song dies down as the acoustics for one last time plays for its audience, and then it fades away. So um, that's the end of uh, my boy. Jared Scott from GamingUnion.net. Um, I I just have two more things, and they're just I think they're really interesting points of views from the composer about how the song graduated from being just a Assassin's Creed 2's main theme to uh, Assassin's Creed's theme in general. This is from an interview done by Music Tech back in 2018. Uh, Jesper Kid, um, I just I just watched the presentation for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, which it was the new game at the time, and notice that uh, they used my theme too. I'm very proud of it. For me, this is what uh, that theme is totally about: Ezio and his family. So, what do you guys think about the song transcending its uh, stories to become the main theme of the entire game? Well, I think it's great. I mean, like it, it just shows that the impact the song had, like within the series, and to be able to take that and, like, I, I mean it obviously changed a little with, with different instrumentals to some degree, but, but to take that song and bring it back to more of a, to, and to keep it within the current series, I think says a lot that like the song had real impact. Uh, it showed a lot what like, you know, the character went through and, and it also shows like, I mean, origins, you know, yourself, like thinking about all the turmoil that happens in that game. Like, I mean, his own son dies and he killed him himself. Right. Like that turmoil that he has to live with, within that within within the game itself it's still it's almost as though it's repeating itself granted with a different character but the song stays true to what's taking place within the game exactly i think it's it speaks towards how powerful music is and what you can capture in a song with the music because assassin's creed you got the whole series there but you have a song that just encapsulates the entire theme of the whole series which is so hard to do because like you can have a song that like in Final Fantasy VII with One Winged Angel that just captures like one character and one event so much, but to capture the whole series, that's a incredible achievement, and it's just powerful that way. And yeah, they they've changed each one a little bit for each uh, game, and like you Google the series, and hell, it looks like there's twenty games, but yeah, <laughs> but like it's it's an impressive feat. And it adds to the continuity of the whole series. Because now, exactly. now you have, have, have that melody basically tying that entire series together. And you, know, you notice that with like film franchises as well. And, uh, and other video game franchises, they'll have that the same type of music. But re, you know, another composer may take it and make it slightly different with different instruments. But you always have that continuity. Like Star Wars or The Avengers. Yeah. I remember growing up playing the Dragon Warrior series and that 8-bit Nintendo music 
just carry through like all the games. Like they changed a little bit, tidied up a little bit as the technology got better, but it was still the same themes and the same sounds. And yeah, it ties the whole thing. So you can play any of the games in the series, but you know what you're playing. And your your memories are really tied to sounds that you hear as well. So uh, when you have the same type of music in all these series, uh, it also brings back you know those those good memories of playing the previous game. Exactly. See, I show. I, however, I think it shows the power of the Auditore Saga, um, which is Assassin's Creed Two, Brotherhood, and Revelations. And hot take here, Andrew. I dare say the best part of the entire series. Hot take, Austin. <laughs> and uh, that's about it for me, honestly. That's uh, I think we actually nailed the head on here quite well. Right on. Well, thank you, Austin, for my great, great introduction into Ezio's family, which I was saying wrong the entire time before this podcast. That is true. Then we're going to move on to Nolan after these messages. All that glitters is not gold. We don't glitter, so we won't fool you like that. We're also only $4 a month to subscribe to our podcast on Anchor or Patreon. Remember, if you like what you hear and you want to be a part of the conversation, you can subscribe to us on Patreon or support us on Anchor. Well, guys, today... The 6th of February is actually the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter 2 being released. It was originally released as a as an arcade game, so in the arcade cabinet and all that. And it was then released, released later on in the year on the Super Nintendo. But it's, Street Fighter 2 was a revolutionary fighting game that has been considered the grandfather of the fighting genre and it's one of the most influential games of all time it's also one of the highest grossing video games of all time and it was the best fighting video game or a best-selling fighting game up until 2019 so this was released was. in 1991 and for 28 years it was the highest selling fighting game ever made so nolan yep what replaced it I couldn't find that. Because the only game I could think of was Mortal Kombat. That's what I'm thinking. I think you're right. I think you're right. So so we're talking about like the best-selling game. I mean, let's be fair, though. Like, Street Fighter was sold on everything, like, for years to come. Like, I mean, you, you can get Street Fighter today. So, yeah, I, I imagine... I mean, but Mortal Kombat has a lot more iterations. Like, what, Street Fighter... Street Fighter had a whole bunch of smaller ones and upgrades but no the Mortal Kombat series was much larger well it was much larger <laughs> it was much larger but they also they're on like Mortal Kombat 11 I mean yeah let's let's be honest like they you know they went through a bunch of iterations as for like man was there ever like a Street Fighter like 11 no no well it's because they keep re-releasing Street Fighter 4 yeah pretty much so they came out with Street Fighter 2 Street Fighter uh, 2 Turbo Street Fighter 2 HD like, there's so many different iterations of Street Fighter 2 on its own. And then you have, like, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, you got Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, all the way up to 11, right? You do have Street Fighter 5, though, just to be honest. Yeah, but like I said, they keep re-releasing those uh, 4 and 5, like, in different modes. 
Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, and I, I, I wonder why. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I haven't played. I don't think. I don't know. If, I've never played Street Fighter Four, and I haven't played anything like Three was the last one I played. I think Two was the. I don't even think I played Three. I mean, Two was the one I played the most. I played so much of Street Fighter Two, and. There was also another iteration of Street Fighter 2 that had more of the characters, and I played the hell out of that as well. But, uh, no, like, I remember at the time, it was the only fighting game that I could get into. I played a few others that uh, were on other consoles. Like, I had a friend who had Genesis, and it just, the controls just sucked. You're just mashing buttons, trying to just punch, kick, punch, kick, punch, kick. Street Fighter 2 was the first one. Like, some of these games had combos or they had, like, special moves, but the controls were so crap that it was more luck than anything if you were able to do something like that. Street Fighter 2 had the slickest controls. All the special moves were much easier to do, and it was also the first game where you could create combos. So you could combo... Yeah. And that is one of the most famous sounds of in video game history is that one well smash i but, mean they they they, they ken uses that in smash too right like that's one of his main yeah. powers well uh because ken is just a carbon copy of Ryu. yeah uh-huh. except i swear to god i loved ken he was my favorite character but every time he fought ryu i swear something gave, gave him a handicap <laughs> No, I'm I'm serious, man. It was like the game did not want me to beat Ryu. 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 Yes. Uh, I'm having a problem pronouncing my words today. No, I'm laughing at like the excuse. Yeah, no, the game just didn't want me to win. Yeah, give me a handicap. Was this golf? (laughs) No, like I can I can fight my brother. I'd be Ken. He'd be Ryu, and he'd win. We'd swap characters, and I'd kick his ass. Well, because Ken just was handicapped. I have to say that uh, Chun Li is my my go to character, and I'm not gonna lie though. In a lot of fighting games, I do choose like other than Smash for, uh, but uh, in a lot of like fighting games, I I choose female characters. I don't know why. I just think they do better and uh, probably more powerful. And I wonder at the time, like I don't, I'm not saying she does more damage than any other character, but I do wonder at the time if they like made the female characters a little more agile. And like I, and, and in that sense, I wonder if it's because it was like, because think about like back then, like you know, it was only guys playing video games, right? So do you want and so do you wonder like by adding the female character, they were trying to appease to like a female care uh, a demographic? It's and possible. You think that, I mean. Do you think that's other, why, like, she was more agile? I found her to be more agile. Like, I found her to be her her like strikes and controls were a little more precise. As for like, I find when you used another character, she was it was a little more leggy. I remember playing this in the arcade, and everyone, a lot of the guys played Chun Li because oh, it's because she was good, and she also had that lightning kick, which which yeah. just messed up the other guy. But yeah. And, you know, that could have been one of the things that contributed to the success of the game. I mean, Street Fighter 2, the arcade version, sold over 200,000 arcade cabinets around the world. And this was at a time when arcades were starting to die out. And it created a second golden age of arcade gaming. Like, it was basically responsible for reviving a lot of arcades that were about to go under do you, do you actually think it even revived the whole like gaming industry because like think back to like 
when et came out and how that was like the like the destruction of like the home console do you think street fighter even though an arcade game coming to consoles do you think that itself reinvived like home console games because well uh, i think consoles were going to be the way things were going to go yeah but they did dip in sales though for like a few years though right because that whole uh that whole situation but but street fighter 2 came out on the super famicom on june 10th 1992 and think about like and like the nintendo entertainment system you know that that's where like et ended up coming out and all that's right yeah yeah so with it coming on super nintendo being like a home console game like it could also be argued that it was the like the the revival of of you know i mean granted it is 1992 and i mean a lot of super nintendo games came out that year but it it could almost be deemed as like a a revival of of home consoles i mean it could be because it did basically usher in a whole new genre because like of the fighting game yeah because i remember playing some of them before that and they were crap street fighter 2 was the first one that i played it and i was hooked and after that like mortal kombat comes out a few years later and it just there's a progression in the genre and it started all the interest started with with uh street fighter 2 i mean i've got a crazy stat here <laughs> but it came out in 1991 by 1995 street fighter 2 and the other street fighter 2 like iterations in the arcades they exceeded 2.3 billion dollars worth of takes for arcades which is nine and one quarter billion quarters. Holy shit. Well, <laughs> and then, but you also have to think That's about a big like, number. <laughs> you, also, you also have to think about though, is that uh, it, it was ported like 14 times after that too. Oh yeah, it was. So, and, and I'm, if you don't mind, do you mind if I name the ports? Go for it. So you have so it was ported so it originally it came out on the on the SNES in 1992, and then it was ported to Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, Armstrad CPS, ZX Spectrum, PC DOS on three floppy disks, CPS Charger, Game Boy, Master System, Sega Saturn, PlayStation Mobile, PlayStation Two, Xbox, PlayStation Portable, so PSP on UMD, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Windows. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's Street Fighter uh, Goddamn 2. You know what's really funny? Oh, also, sorry, it also came out on Wii U as a port, which was the original Super Nintendo version. Holy shit. <laughs> but you know what's really funny here, guys? I only know about a third of what you just said. That's because you're the baby here. Okay, but honestly, though, like PC DOS on three floppy disks is a little much. <laughs> that's just nuts, man. That's so dumb. <laughs> I mean, it sold 15 million software units and wow. is estimated to have grossed over $10 billion in total revenue, which yeah, is why it's... it was the third highest grossing video game of all time. I, I believe it. I believe it, man. Like, and, and also, like, think about it, though. Like, Remember, I, I don't know if if we talked on uh, talked about this live, but we were talking about how like uh, I I just don't I don't remember, but we were talking about how Europe 
and its access to video games. I mean, like, if you think about it, like, uh, it wasn't released in Europe until it came to like Atari and the Commodore and to PC DOS because they didn't really have yeah. access access to like Super Nintendo or the NES at that time, right? So, like, Europe never got into the franchise of of Street Fighter Two until 1992 when it ended up coming to all. And you know, that was actually December 17th of 1992. There you go. So. I mean, they hit a whole and the game came out in 1991 in the arcades. So it's almost it's almost thinking about like how Europe never had access to all the previous like systems, if or like arcades. It's almost like wondering if like even that started the whole Europe, like the whole Europe sales, like how and uh, uh, like England and and Ireland and all that stuff ended up coming so strongly into the into the video game industry with. With sales and stuff like that, as if if it was because it came to PC, DOS, Atari, and Commodore. Because I I know Commodore is very popular, and PC was also very popular in Europe, right? So because yeah. Rare Rare is based in Europe, for anyone who doesn't know, didn't know that. No. So oh, they have a whole shed full of it. 007 Goldeneye release. Uh, yeah, it. but I was always more of a Banjo Kazooie guy. Doesn't matter. They got that too. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So. I, and like Rare was releasing games there, you know, prior to N sixty four, but but when when Nintendo came into the picture, they they got a bigger bigger audience. So I just I'm just curious if if that had to do with sales, that might be something I might look into. No, it could be because like it was like the the other fighting games before that just weren't that popular, and just because they just weren't that good. What other video? Like what other? Like are we talking like Street to Rage and like what like like are oh we talking, man like, i remember are we talking, are we i remember like some karate game or? i remember a karate game where like you you basically had like two kicks and two punches and there was always leg and it was just just garbage and like it so was like, really hard to find like there just weren't any good actual fighting games so, so because of like the diversity of moves and like the you know the the drastic combinations of buttons you had to hit made Street Fighter appeal more to consumers than than those games. Well, yeah, well, it was a lot more exciting to play because like you had to learn different moves and different uh, combos for each character, which are hard. Which, yeah, and so it gave you I something mean, to hard. work towards. So you yeah. had all, yeah, all of a sudden you had variety, which you didn't have before. Because instead you're playing like some karate guy who's got two punches and two kicks, and that was it. Now you got uh, all, you got started off. The first games only had eight characters you could play, and each one had different special moves that had different combinations to to do them, and it was just more fun. And you're playing in the arcade you got people watching you or you're playing at home and your friends are watching and they you pull off a move that maybe someone hasn't learned yet or someone else has trouble doing like it gives you like a lot of satisfaction and it makes uh, you more excited to kick someone's ass well i was gonna say even too like man uh was that the netflix special high score oh and, yeah and uh uh if you, did you watch that i watched some of it but i didn't finish it Oh man, so there was actually I'm if I'm recalling properly, um there was a section where uh, a guy was really good at Street Fighter 2 and then he ended up taking a office job 
Yeah. And he just he hated it. And his company ended up going into esports. Oh yeah. And because he was so good at Street Fighter 2, they actually asked him to coach Street Fighter 2 <laughs> esports team in in the game like for for uh you know for for players who play the game and like it's amazing to think that how street fighter 2 ended up becoming that like almost like 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 ended up becoming into esports and how it's how popular it became i also wonder like how bad was like street fighter 3 and street fighter 4 like for street fighter 2 to like dominate the whole series well, I mean, I think that it doesn't say that the other two are bad. I think it shows how good the second two are. Because three is forgettable, don't get me wrong. But um, four, they made like three different versions, or three or four different versions of uh, Street Fighter 4. They did. Oh, yeah, fuck, man. I think I remember Street Fighter 4 for whatever the fuck it came out for at the time, which... Uh... Uh, I believe Street Fighter Four came out in like the 360 PS3 era. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, it's definitely not PS4. Because now they're in Street Fighter Five. Yeah, you're right. And that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about Street Fighter Five actually. Because like, what was? Because yeah, like, I don't remember Street Fighter Five. I don't even remember. Yeah, Street uh, Fighter Four came out in 2008. And Street Fighter Five came out when? 2008. Yeah, 2008 with Street Fighter Four. It was 11 years after Street Fighter 3. And yet they're still making Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Yeah, Street it, Fighter 5. It's it's just a nostalgia thing for that, really. I I don't think Street... I don't know. I guess because, like... I also think maybe Street Fighter 2 does as well as because of for that, like, 16-bit, you know, view and, and style. Like, like oh, there's a the retro like, feel to it and a nostalgia yeah, factor. And, Absolutely. And, like, and it's it ages so well. It does because like, it has those combos, it has the special moves and And the graphics just look good. Like no matter how you how you turn it, like if you take a sixteen bit, you know, game and turn it to HD, it still looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's easy to reproduce, especially being since like there's not much more like there's not much I don't think there's much more you can do with the series unless you start adding like a bunch of characters and stuff like that. But like you know, keeping it the way it is and and it's prime, yeah. Why not just remake it and 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 just make it look more pretty? Because I mean, people my age and maybe your age, maybe not Austin's, but like I cut my teeth kind of on that game. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, was what? The, I cut my teeth on that game when it comes to the fighting genre because it was the first one. Okay. And, that's what got me hooked on when Mortal Kombat came out. I mean, the whole progression of Street Fighter 2 and the progression of Mortal Kombat, when you play one player, it's the same. You fight a bunch of random people, and then you got the set bosses. And yeah. it's just that Mortal Kombat was basically just a copy of Street Fighter 2, just had blood and the finishing moves. So it was an evolution. Really popular. Oh, yeah. So it was an evolution of what Street Fighter 2 started. And yeah, like everyone who loves Street Fighter 2 loved Mortal Kombat. And it's just like without Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat might not have ever happened. Or at uh, least it might have happened later. Well, That's a scary uh, thought. 
Uh, Isn't we might all, instead of Mortal Kombat 11, we might only have Mortal Kombat 6 right now. But like Street Fighter 2 was also like it was a huge cultural phenomenon because like, it's like some of the song or some of the music from it and some of the like the character sayings like Hadouken, those have been thrown into a lot of music especially in hip-hop like it's even been referenced in the lyrics by like some like Nicki Minaj and like a number of other hip-hop artists uh there's a website who sampled which lists 80 songs that have sampled Street Fighter 2 include and like some of them are Kanye West Jay-Z Drake Psy like They've all sampled the music from Street Fighter 2. Uh, so, yes, uh, Mortal Kombat came out on October 8th, 1992, which was, I believe, like uh, just a few months after. Was it that early? Yeah, it came out a few months after Street Fighter 2, which was February. So, yeah, like five months later, six months later. Mm, seven months later. Seven months later. So, so yeah, you might be right though. Well, I mean, back then though, making games wasn't the process of making games wasn't years; it was months. That is true. Yeah, because Mortal Kombat was only made by four people. Yeah, so there was there was a good chance that they saw Street, you know, they saw again. I feel like this was covered in High Score on Netflix, but uh, yeah, there was a good chance that because of the success of Street Fighter Two, that Mortal Kombat came out. There, there, there is an argument to be made there. But yeah. Huh? No, that's fucking interesting, dude. I didn't I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. That's uh that I mean no one might have a point. That's the reason why uh Mortal Kombat Mortal Kombat came to be. Bones, did you ever play did you ever play uh Street Fighter? Um well we not really because I the first console that I actually owned as a kid and got to play was the N sixty four. And I had a I had a Game Boy for a week, and then and then it magically really yeah I think uh, my big brother just can't remember exactly I remember I had it for a week though he was just like fuck you kid it was a good you week. don't get it anymore uh, yeah <laughs> and then uh, when I was like I don't know twelve or fourteen or something and then we got a, a N sixty four and then my me and my little brother played. God N sixty four I miss it so much I was like I was like four years I was. Four years old, and I had an N64, N64, and I got one. Oh, I just go to friends' houses, and they had like a Super Nintendo with Mortal Kombat. Oh, really? So, that, so you're more familiar with Mortal Kombat than you are Street Fighter? Um, kind of. I mean, that was just when I like go to like friends' house. We didn't actually own what it. was the What was the other game that came out that was for N64? Uh, Killer Instinct it was the other one. I'm thinking yep. Of. I had that one. I enjoyed that one a lot too. I had that one too, and I liked it as well. That's Microsoft's only fighting game, right there. Really? Is I it? didn't know that was Microsoft. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> it's like a big thing. That's why it was like one of the initial release dates, uh, re- release titles with the Xbox One. They still do tournaments and stuff like that. They still release characters, like the Arbiter from the Arbiter from Halo is in Killer Instinct. I'm looking it up right now. 
because I'm like, what the fuck? Because the original Killer Instinct came out in 1994. Holy shit. And they have the Killer Instinct. Oh my god, they are still making it. Oh my god. Yeah. The Battletoads are in it, bro. What? what the Battletoads? Yeah. Oh man. This game is not marketed correctly. <laughs> no, it's not. No one knows about it, but it's fucking cool, dude. I would fucking play that again. I would play Killer Instinct too, man. Killer and you guys is... can. You guys got your PCs. But yeah, but yeah. with Capcom and all the diff- those different iterations of Street Fighter 2, one of the things that Capcom was the first to do and kind of paved the way for the rest of the video game industry was they they would they they would re-release and remake Street Fighter 2 so many times that it inspired other companies to like with PC games to release patches and just keep adding more content. So instead of having to make customers buy a whole new game, they could just purchase a patch or more downloadable content and just expand on the game. And now you see that in so many video games where you you can buy skins or more weapons or new features online. Well, this is so that you're, what you're telling me is here. That's probably the, like this game is probably the first game to actually have DLC. Well, uh, well, the, the concept came from them remaking and just focusing on the one game, Street Fighter 2, over and over and re-releasing it with small changes and extra things. Other companies saw that you know Capcom was having huge success with just the one game and just updating it. And they found an easier way, instead of remaking the game and reselling it, is... You just, if you have a customer who already has the game, you can sell extra stuff to them. So instead of having to remake the game, you make a small patch or, yeah, more DLC and people buy it. So it literally was the birth of DLC. That's really cool. Yeah, like that was the impact that the game had. And going back to Mortal Kombat, only being released a few months after Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 was such a success right off the bat, it built a huge fan base for the fighting genre. When Mortal Kombat came out with all the blood and the violence, like there was so much pushback. Uh, and like so governments around the world were trying to ban that game. If there wasn't already that fan base from Street Fighter 2, that because Mortal Kombat was just Street Fighter 2 with more blood. It was basically the same thing. Without that fan base being so big, Mortal Kombat might have died. That's true. That's a good point. So while it might not have been directly inspired by Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 might have been responsible for building the environment that allowed it to survive. Well, now, uh, that could be a hot take, and that might be my controversial comment. Hey, no. nice, another hot take. Well, I was going to say that, like, like is Mortal uh, Kombat 
Mortal it... Kombat created the because of Mortal Kombat, the U.S. Senate created the uh, the rating uh, system. Yeah, the uh, uh, ESR, ESRB. You know, because of, because of that, they created the ESRB in, in the states because of of the violence. And like again, not I mean, calling back to this high score documentary on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, for the love of God, watch it. But uh, they go into like how like. Uh oh, actually, sorry, it's not that. But if you watch the documentary on CBS of Console Wars, which you can actually watch on YouTube for free, um, uh, was that cool? Yeah. So well, they talk. They also tackle it because that's when Nintendo ended up making the blood green and getting in a lot of shit for it, as opposed to Sega Genesis making it red and not getting in shit for it. But again, created the ESRB because of the violence, right? Because that's when the conversation started that like video games lead to violence was when Mortal Kombat came out. And you can rip a guy's spine out. Yeah, and yep. you can literally, or, or throw them into like a bed of spikes. Yeah. So. Oh man, this has been actually a really interesting thing. I've learned so much during this. <laughs> but but yeah, so uh, moving on to, to how awesome Street Fighter 2 is, uh, what's, what's everyone been playing? Um, honestly, it's pretty much the same. I am, the new season of Destiny starts on Tuesday, which I'm excited for. Um, but other than that, man, I've just been Destiny and, uh, Persona 5. I haven't really changed anything up yet. No? Uh, Nolan? I'm trying to finish Octopath Traveler on my Switch. I throw in some Bro Force just for stress relief. (laughs) And trying to... Yeah, I'm just playing through a couple old NES and Super Nintendo games on my Switch. Which ones are you playing? A little bit of Tecmo Bowl. Mm. So the next time I play you, I don't lose. Because <laughs> <laughs> that Sounds was like really embarrassing. You never played that before, and I played hundreds of hours of nope. that when mm-hmm. I was a kid. And I'll you kicked NHL, my ass. Man. As as uh, I never played anything but NHL on uh, on 360 and so on, so I was never into football. Oh, shell. Uh, and uh, and then Bones, I know what you're playing. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm currently uh, in Elysium. Uh, I'm a double agent because I gotta I gotta play both sides in Elysium. You're a sneaky Ooh. fucker. You gotta. Um, that's not that's not sexual, by the way. <laughs> and. Uh, and also Apex Legends. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. With my dear friend Andy. <laughs> uh, should I, uh, so yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Uh, yeah, I've been playing Apex Legends with Jonah a lot. <laughs> Actually, like an hour there. Yeah, Bones. I've been playing Apex with Bones. Actually, Andrew, let's be honest. It's like once a week. No, well, this week, yeah, we only played. Well, we played twice this week. <laughs> And we? yeah, we played yesterday and today. We played today for two hours. Oh yes, we did. We did. But yeah, no, I've been playing. I've been playing Apex Legends, uh, and surprisingly, a shit ton of Pokemon. Hell yeah, brother! Yeah, I've been playing uh, Fire Red and uh, and Yellow at the same time, which is contradictory to each other. But um, yeah, and then. Uh, I'm playing a little bit of Origins, not a lot, and uh, I think that's I think that's safe to say that's it. Uh, I think that's all we have for this episode, unless anyone wants to add anything. No, I think that's about all for me. All right, 
so we covered some great news, some awesome music, and uh, some great retro games. Yeah, that's that's all we have for today. And uh, remember that you can always uh, subscribe to us on Patreon or uh, you know uh, support us on Anchor. And thanks a lot for listening. So we all hope you have a great week. All right, bye. Take care, all. Sayonara. Remember, if you like what you hear and you want to be a part of the conversation, you can subscribe to us on Patreon or support us on Anchor.